And he is unique. And God handmade him. And God handmade you. And that's what we've been talking about here on Sundays. That we are handmade by God. In the first week we, we talked about that God made us unique. Even our fingerprints scream our uniqueness to us. Um, I believe it was Pastor Cleveland that texted me uh, it, it said, you know, we're talking about 8 billion people in the world and how it kind of freaks me out that, that God can get 8 billion different designs on that. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot. And, and that God can get 8, 8 billion different designs. And, and, and Cleveland texted me, he said, you know, uh, the, one of the numbers he read that if you count everybody that has ever lived, that number is more in the realm of 108 billion people, 108 billion different designs on that right there. That's mind-blowing. Only God can do something like that, and yet, and yet it speaks to our uniqueness. It speaks to this idea that, that God did not make you to be somebody else. And we always, people are always trying to become somebody else. You know, I mean, um, you see all this image stuff, especially with the ladies, you see all this image stuff where, you know, you, you, you have some elongated supermodel on the front of a magazine and, and everybody, everybody thinks that, that um, that's the only way to look. But yet we recognize that God created all of us with, with um, different bodies. We all stand very unique in, in everything. We have different personalities. People say, man, if I could just be like that movie star. You know, or if I could just look like that bodybuilder. Y'all can tell I've been really concerned about that in my life. <laughs> if I could just be like that. I mean, preachers face that all the time. They say, man, if I could preach like that preacher. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if I, could just, if I could just have that preacher's dynamic personality and that preacher's way of articulating things and that, you know, if I could, and if I could be just like every other pastor, but you know, the reality of it is, is we all stand with Pi Pi. We am what we am. And that's all we am. We am Pi Pi the sailor man. With a corn cob pipe and a button. No, we don't have stop. God created us. Look, look at Genesis chapter 127 again. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. It's amazing here. You get, you get something in the Bible, that, and theologians often describe things like this when the ancient languages that the Bible is translated from. You have what is called the law of the first mention, the law of the second mention, the law of the third mention. And, and it, it's, it's widely known that if something is translated back into English and there is more uh, repetition there than normal, then the writer was trying to put an emphasis on that particular thing. It's kind of like taking a Word document and bolding it. Putting bold there, saying, you know, I want you to pay very careful attention to what I'm about to say. And, and in this one verse, you have both the law of the second mention and the law of the third mention. Three times it says here is that God created them, that they were created by God. And then twice in this verse, it makes mention of the image of God, that, that he created man in 
his own image. Very unique of all the other creations. No other creation is created in the image of God. No other. As, as, much, as, we, as much as we love our dogs, our dogs were not created in the image of God. Now, I don't know about you, my dog's going to heaven. So that's my theology. Do with it what you want. I mean, I have these smart little things. I mean, it was really funny. Yesterday, Raylan and I was out in the pool. We have a, a swimming pool in our backyard, and, and there's, a, there's a diving board on that swimming pool with, with a deep end. It, it, it's um, 10 feet deep. And uh, I don't know, several years ago, I, I must have realized that I was getting older and, and, and whatever, whatever comes with that, and for whatever reason, something inside of me decided that diving off of that diving board doesn't have the same appeal that it had when I was in my 30s. I mean, you get that way, you know. The older you get, the more you think to yourself, I can't do that because that's going to hurt. <laughs> when you're young, you're a little more ignorant to those things. You know what I'm saying? Like hurt, oh, <laughs> what's hurt? You know what I'm saying? Anybody in the room? But the, but the older you get, the more you start kind of, you know, they literally say that when a boy turns about, about the time the boy hits the puberty stage, about 13, 12, 13 years old, that there is the area of the brain that, um, that, um, that has the reason, that has reason to it, you know, that makes you reason things out, that, that literally um, that area disconnects. And it doesn't come back together till you're about 25. This is, I'm, I'm, you know, it's just been proven. And so there's a reason, yeah. There's a reason why 13 to 25-year-olds do crazy stuff. You know, because they ain't got no brain that's working in the reasoning side. You know what I'm saying? And, and, so, and so you see them, they, you know, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've heard of, I've heard of, 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 of teenage boys, you know, they'll do something and then... As a 40-year-old, you go, what were you thinking? And they'll go, I don't know. <laughs> and they're telling the truth. They're telling the truth. They, they weren't thinking because it's just disconnected up there. You know? That's why when you're marrying younger kids, like Nate and Shailene got married last night and they didn't even care enough about us to play in the band today on their honeymoon. Well, we had this emptiness over here in memorializing them. But um, and when, you, when you start marrying young couples, you know, you got you to kind of prepare them for that. You know, at some point in the next four or five years, your brain's going to come back together. Anyway, and, and you've and you, and you got to be prepared for that. Come on, somebody help me out. Man, I just dug a deep hole. Thank God for pastors, right? Help these young people through that. That's the truth. You know, where you know, when, you, when you get about 45, you start considering what might happen if you go off that diving board. You know what I'm saying? Like when you get on it, you start thinking, this could hurt. This may not turn out the way that I want it to. Is anybody in that? Do you understand what I'm saying? And so, and some of you are looking at me, you're 50, 60, 75, you're thinking, I'm still down off dive boards. I guess that part never came back together. <laughs> so, 
That's okay. We, we, got, we got room for you in our church too. We're the church of all kinds. So, um, so I, I made this declaration. Just me and Raylene in the backyard, I made this declaration. I got up out of the pool. I threw my, it was a, it was a great, grand proclamation. I threw my hands in the air. I didn't care what any neighbors might think. We got big enough lots. They probably didn't hear it anyway. So I, I threw my hands in the air and I went, for the first time in more than three years, I am going to dive off the diving board. And I marched myself proudly to that diving board with Maddie, our dog, who's never been in the swimming pool. Who, who This Monday night, we had, a, we had a pool party at the house for the band and for the singers. And, and we probably had, what, 20 people in the pool, mostly kids, and, and including Pastor Trent. And, um, and all Maddie did the whole time was run around like this in circles. She has never, in all of these years, has never even attempted to get in that pool, okay? I'm standing on the diamond board. It's an Olympic moment for the Griffin household. I took my four steps and I launched myself off into the deep end of that swimming pool. And as I was going in, my dog followed me in the pool. She was so freaked out. Uh, me diving off that diving board. She followed me into the pool. When I come up, Raylene's running by me going, Maddie's in the pool! Maddie's in the pool! Maddie's in the pool! And I turn around, and that little eight pound of wonderfulness was swimming like a champ. Never been in here before. But she knew what to do. That's a brilliant dog right there. My dog didn't drown. It's a brilliant dog. But that dog still is not created in the image of God. Smart as she is. Still not created in the image of God. You are though. See this verse from Psalm 139 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's not talking about that I'm made in fear. That word fearfully in this context literally means awesome. That I am, that I am made by God as awesome and wonderful. And I think it's high time a whole bunch of people say, you know what? I'm not just a lump of dirt. I'm not just a handful of thrown together dust. I have been created in the image of God as awesome and wonderful. I've been handmade by God. Handmade. And I've been handmade in my uniqueness, and we covered that, but also that in my uniqueness that God has placed within my DNA a particular purpose. You know, it's, it's something powerful when you find your purpose. So, man, this is what I was made for. Our oldest son, Baylor, who we are meeting up with tonight in Houston... Moved to Colorado Springs a couple of years ago to intern at a church 
ultimately left the church and went to work for a missions organization called Every Home for Christ. They have over 5,000 missions directors in most of the countries in the world. Baylor, on a daily basis, runs what they call a, a missionary prayer room. It's a prayer room that they pray for missionaries and all of the missionaries that they have. Matter of fact, his official title is a prayer missionary. He's living on support. People who are willing to send 20 or $25 there in his name as a missionary to support him to do this. And, 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 and we've talked to him on Friday, and, and, and Friday he was driving to Pueblo. There's a church there in Pueblo that was conducting an all-night prayer meeting, and Baylor was taking the 11 o'clock shift past midnight, and then he was taking the 4 a.m. shift and going to pray them through into the, into the early uh, sunrise moments of the day. And, and um, I've never seen him. He was here last weekend for... Um, my in-laws' 50th wedding anniversary celebration. Never seen him as happy as he is just doing that, just praying. He feels like, man, this is my call. This is what God called me to do. When you fulfill your purpose, he's not getting rich. It's very reminiscent of when I first went into the ministry. I was, I was like him. I was 19 years old when I went full-time in the ministry. Before that, I went full-time at our church. I mean, you could really probably back my full-time ministry up to when I was 17, working for our church. I felt this call to preach, man. I just needed to preach. I felt this beating, pulsing thing inside of me that I'd felt it since I was just a child. I used to stand as a seven, eight, nine-year-old boy with a microphone in one hand in my bedroom and preach to, preach to the stuffed animals. They make fantastic altar calls. You could, you could have 100% participation. <laughs> Felt this. But, I, you know, I worked. I worked very diligent in my home church. And I think my pastor was reluctant, number one, because I was so young to let me go. Number two, I think that they knew that there were some holes there in the church that would need to be filled. And I was, I was fulfilling several roles. I started getting invitations to preach. I'd go to my pastor and say, so-and-so called from a church over here in East Texas, and I was wondering if I could, if I could accept an invitation. He, 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 for two years, he told me no. That was a struggle for me. I feel, a, I feel like I should be preaching. I would say, this is, this is my purpose. But, but he knew there was some barbs probably that needed to be worn off before I took the leap. And I'll never forget when I was 19 years old, and he looked at me and he said, why don't you go give it a try? I'll never forget what he said to me, really, and Gary, you'll understand this. He said, you know what, son, you go preach that revival, but, but whatever you do, if it don't work out, don't come home with your tail stuck between your legs. You know, don't come home defeated. Don't come here like a whipped dog. If, you, know, you go give it a shot, and if it don't work out, you just come on back. We have your job waiting on you. But you hold your head up high. And, but I, I never went back. I'll never forget. I mean, I want to make a lot of money. But I was fulfilling that purpose in my life because, you know, when you fulfill your purpose, it, it does something. I mean, when you do what, you, what you're really good at because, because that's the way God has gifted you. See, that's what I'm talking about today is that God has placed particular grace gifts in every one of our lives. And when we learn to walk in those gifts, when we, when we learn just, I think some of the greatest advice anyone could ever give anybody is just be yourself. You know, you don't need to imitate anyone. You don't need to be somebody else. Listen, find out how you're wired. Figure out what you're all about and just be the best you that you can be because God created you unique and special and 
awesome, wonderful. The, the reality of this is, is that we are called in uniqueness. And while we are called in uniqueness, we are also called for purpose. But God doesn't leave us hanging there. Like, okay, I want you to do this. And God then leaves us alone. No. God will qualify those whom he calls. He has, he has a way of, of, of gifting us. As a matter of fact, when we look at Romans 8, 28 again, and you know, or we know, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If you've been called according to the purpose of God, and every one of us in this room have a purpose from God. God is not expecting you to do it on your own, but there are gifts that he pours out upon his people. He will gift those whom he calls so that you will be able to fulfill that purpose that he has placed within you, this driving, pulsating thing. God has a way of gifting you to fulfill that which he has called you to. He will qualify those whom he calls. Romans 12, familiar verses. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I mean, I think this is a partial list. I think there are other places in the Bible where you see other gifts pop up. The reality of this is, is just wherever you're gifted, do it good. Exercise in your gift. See, I know that I've covered these verses in several settings this year, but, but, but this has everything to do with our community. In this community, we are uniquely created with purpose that is accomplished through our giftings as a people. We are all members of the body, and, and, and I think that, that there's nothing more frustrating for any one of us in our lives to be gifted to do one thing, but then to try to be something else that we are not. I mean, that doesn't just, that doesn't just pertain to the church. That, that pertains to your family. That pertains to your workplace. Let me ask you this. What if God has gifted you to be an ear? What if you are the only ear in your workplace? I said, well, Pastor, no, 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 wait a minute, Pastor. I'm not the only Christian in my workplace. Hey, now, wait a minute. I'm surrounded by Christians. I didn't say what if you were the only Christian in your workplace. What if you were the only ear in your workplace? What if you're the only one that has the ability to hear something in the Spirit that nobody else in the room is hearing? So there are people that are eyes in the workplace. They have the ability to see, but, but they're not ears, they're eyes. And so they may be able to see something that is taking place, but are they hearing? Are they hearing something? Other people are hands. They have, a, they have the ability to grab hold of things. They have ability to just get, get the task done in their hands. But I wonder how much is not being done because the ears in the body of Christ aren't hearing, so the hands aren't feeling and the eyes aren't seeing. And I'm just really asking, what, what if you are the eye in your family? 
What if God has gifted you to be the eye in your family, that, 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 that you're the one that, that has the ability to see something going on? That You ever been in a situation where you saw something developing? And you turn to somebody else in your family and they say, man, I really have a concern there. And they kind of they said, oh, you know, there's nothing there. No, no. See, they don't see it. They don't see what you see. Because they haven't been gifted to see. Does that make sense to you today? How have you been gifted? That's a real good question to ask. Because there are people in this room right here that I'm absolutely convinced God would use you to do great things, not only for his kingdom, but in your family, and great things in your workplace if you would just begin to walk in the gift that he has placed in you. I've often said this, this gift of encouragement. I, I, I think that, you know what, the, a lot of times the church environment or the family environment or even the workplace environment is just depressed because the encouragers are not encouraging. You know what I'm saying? People aren't walking in those gifts that, that are so intricately planted inside of their life. See, somebody, can somebody see something for me? I, I, I'm not seeing anything right now. I said Wednesday night in our session that I was in a meeting just recently and, and I, just, I just felt the presence of the Lord there in that, in that meeting and nobody else in that room knows any of the pressure, knows any of the things that are going on. Nobody else knows anything about me in those private areas of my life and in the life of our family. And I just bowed my head in that moment and silently under my breath, as I could sense the presence of God, I didn't ask him to fix it. I didn't ask him to take anything away. All I said when I bowed my head was, can you just give me hope? That's all, I, that's all I'm asking. I don't even need an answer I just need hope that there is one. Because as it stands right now, I don't see it. I don't see it. Have you ever been there? Those places where you really could use somebody just to step up to you and say, Hey, I, I don't know why I feel what I feel. I don't, know, I don't know why I'm drawn to say this to you today, but I just want you to know that God's on your side and it's going to be okay, whatever it is. See, God uses people like that. He uses people like that, but a lot of times we get, we get fearful. We say, oh, well, I can't, I mean, I can't say anything, you know. Uh, I mean, you know, what if it's not from God? You know what? It, 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 encouragement's never wrong. You can't never go wrong walking up to somebody and saying, you know what? I just feel like everything's going to be okay for you. You mind if I pray with you? You don't know, they may have just bowed their head. And in that moment of sensing the presence of God, prayed a very simple prayer. I could just use a little hope. Just a little hope. Several years ago, it struck me. It struck me hard. It struck me hard enough that I remember the date. I've had a lot of disappointment pastoring and ministry I've had a lot of disappointment I don't remember any dates <laughs> Pastor Cleveland you'd go nuts if you remembered the dates we closed the service on December the 3rd two couples walked up to me at the end of that service and said Pastor we need to talk to you in your office 
And I had this foreboding feeling come into my heart. So we stepped in the office and they informed me that they had been hired by another church. Church was making another campus and they had been hired by that new campus. And I mean, that's, that may not be a big deal to you, but it was our entire platform. It was every musician except for Cleveland who had just started learning to play the guitar and probably, like he said a while ago, he had seven chords down. This is a great start. But not only that, they fulfilled several roles. It was our youth pastor. It was our children's pastor. It was our personal assistant. It was our worship pastor. Suddenly, I go from having spots filled to suddenly having no youth pastor, having no children's pastor, having no keyboardist, no bass guitarist, no drummer, no personal assistant, no worship pastor. It was a black day for me. Matter of fact, I walked around, kind of beat my head on the wall. I'm like, what in the world? The next day, I, I, I had an obligation. I, I did a prayer show in Oatmogee on an AM radio station, KOKL. I went up there on the first Monday of every month, and I, I did this live prayer show. People could call in, and I would pray for them. Man, I didn't feel much like praying. I left that show. I got in the car. It was 930 and for whatever reason, I picked up my phone and I dialed a number of a man who had just come into our life, Dr. Till McBlad. They come to First Church. They're faithful First Churchers now. Dr. Till McBlad. I dialed his desk extension. It's the only number I had for him. He had just taken over the master's program that Raylene and I were involved in. And so he was kind of like our boss in the master's degree program in ORU. He picked up the phone. I said, hey, Hey, Dr. Eggblad, this is Rob Griffin. And his, his words to me, his next words to me were this. Oh, now, oh, my, what has happened? What happened yesterday? Something happened yesterday. What happened yesterday? And I kind of hem-hauled around. He said, listen, man, I've been, I, I pastored for 20, over 20 years. And I'm telling you right now, if a pastor is calling another pastor on Monday morning at 930, something happened yesterday. Little did I know I had called I had called an ear. Somebody's hearing something. I'm not hearing anything, but somebody else is hearing something. And he began to, he, I began to explain to him what, what had happened the previous day. And at the end of that conversation, he says, he says this to me. He says, you know, he said, I, I, I'm not trying to sell anything here to you, but he said, you know, my family, we just moved here just two months ago. And my son, Trent, my son, you haven't met him, but my son has not really found a church that he connects with. He's kind of looking for something maybe similar to what I pastored. And maybe your church is the fit for him. And I will tell you this, my son is an amazing guitarist. And he can lead worship. And he said, even if, even if you don't bring him on, he, he could at least maybe fill in and just kind of get you over this hump. And I, I said, man, get, he said, if you don't mind, he said, you, I, if you ask, I'll give, you, I'll give him your number. And I'm like, man, give, give him the number. And I Call Raylene. I said, man, this, this may be helping. We set up a meeting to go to ORU the next day. Trent had just started his freshman year there. We went and we sat down with him. We talked with him about our plans for worship and what we were needing. And, 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 and it would be difficult that I would have to rotate to bass. I'm a keys player. I'm not a bass guitar player. I was horrible. We had a son that just turned 12. 
We said, you know, he's never really played in regular church. He, he's played a couple of things for school, but never really played in regular church. And that's what you're going to get for a drummer. You're going to get a, a just-turned-12 drummer. You're going to get me on the bass guitar. It's dismal. I'll, I'll tell you straight up, but we've got to have a low end. And, and we got Cleveland who knows seven chords, and that's just what we got. That's what we got. He didn't give us an answer. We walked out there. We were walking that long sidewalk on a December day. Walking that long sidewalk out of the LRC to the maybe center parking lot. And Raylene looked over at me and she says, Man, I hope he liked us as much as I liked him. And it started something. Because Dr. Tim Ekblad had the ability to hear for me. I'll be your ear. If you'll just let me, let me listen. I'll hear for you. Trent stayed here for six years and was our worship pastor. And we built a tremendous band in, 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 in Cleveland, just elevated in his abilities. And then Trent felt a call to, to go into pastoral ministry, kind of away from music ministry. And Pastor Cleveland came on board then at that point to lead the band. And everything was set. And man, it's just been a great ride. Then last year, Raylene and I felt so heavy in our heart that we should bring Trent and Hannah back as associate pastors. And man, it's worked out so well that, that God has just blessed us in this relationship, that this relationship continues. And it all started on a Monday morning when I didn't know what else to do but to call somebody that could say there's hope. There's hope. I'm hearing. I'm hearing something. What are you gifted and how are you gifted is extremely important in our lives. 1990, Raylan and I went to a conference in Louisiana. In my study, I remembered a story that a pastor told in a sermon, and it just so happens that that particular conference, all of those years of that conference were online and accessible. And so I, I went back and dug through the years, trying to remember what year it was. It was 1990, and... And I, I, I re-listened to this sermon so that I would make sure that I had this right because this pastor talked about a man in his church, a guy's name was Frank. And he said, man, one Sunday morning, Frank came up to him in church. And just out of nowhere, Frank said, hey, pastor, you know, if you'll give me one of those church vans, to go pick up people on Sundays. If you'll give me one of those church bands, I think I could fill it up. Pastor said, man, I've never even seen old Frank bring anybody to church. So I, wasn't, you know, I knew all of our vans were already taken by people. I knew that would be kind of a difficult shuffle. He said, you know what, Frank, I'll tell you what. I, I, we don't have a van to give you today, but I'll tell you what. If you'll just go out with your car and, and you come back to me next Sunday and you tell me how many people you brought in your car to church, and we might, we might see if we can do something about a van in the next Sunday came around and the pastor ran into Frank and he said, Hey, Frank, how many people did you have in your car today? He said, Pastor, I had 12 people in my car. And then he said, You know what, Pastor? I really think if you give me one of those vans, I could fill it up. He said, Man, I knew we couldn't have this guy bringing 12 people in his car to church. And so I went to the, the van people that do that. And I'm like, Man, is there any way we could maybe combine a couple of routes or whatever? They, they, they ran vans to pick up children and and stuff, and so maybe we can do that, and, and maybe we can get 
we can get uh, Frank into a van. And so they did that. And, and the next Sunday, the pastor saw Frank and he said, Hey, Frank, how many people did you have on that bus today? And Frank said, You know what, Pastor? I, I had 28 people on that, on, that, on that van today, on that van. Because you know what, Pastor? If you give me a, if you give me a, one of those big buses, I think I could fill it up. Pastor said, man, that was a real stretch. Oh, we didn't have very many of those big buses. He said, so I went out there and I told him, I said, man, is there any way we can combine bus routes or something? Somebody another get old Frank over here into a, a bus and they, they made it happen and they gave Frank one of those, those buses and he went up to him. It was about a 45, 50 passenger bus. He went up to me and said, hey, hey, Frank, how, how many did you have on that bus today? He said, Pastor, I had 56 people on that bus today. Brought 56 people to church. You know what, Pastor? I think if you give me two buses, I could fill them up. So the pastor said, man, I know I can't, I can't do two buses today. He said, i tell you what, Frank. Why don't you take the van we gave you the last couple of weeks, last week, and you take the bus. And so we're going to give you a bus and a van. And, and with the two of those, see what you can do and come back and talk to me next week. The next week came by. With that bus, first off, with that bus, with those 56 people, now with two vehicles, a bus and a van, Frank came back and said, I had 87 people today. 87 people. He said, Pastor, I really think if you'd give me two buses, I could fill them up. So I said, I went to our bus department and looked at him and said, listen, you got whatever you got to do, get him two buses. I don't know how you're going to work it out, but get him two buses. And on that fifth Sunday with two big buses, he had 128 people at church. Fifth Sunday. Frank looked at me and said, Pastor, I know we don't have any more buses. Because I tell you what, if you'll let me rent a city bus... He said, whatever it costs. He said, if you'll let me rent a city bus. He said, I really think if I could rent a city bus, I'd fill it up. His pastor said, you know what, Frank? We're not going to let you rent it. Let us find out how much it costs. They said it costs $129. About at $130 to rent it for a couple of hours. So, so when we went out and we rented him a city bus. And on that city bus, he brought 167 people. 167 people on that city bus. And he looked at the pastor. And he said, Pastor, I really feel like if you gave, let me get two buses. I really feel like I could fill them up. He said, so we turned around. We rented him two city buses. And with two city buses, he brought in 251 people. 251 people in that church on, on that Sunday. And he said, man, this guy had such a fire for people. He said, you know what you need to be doing, Frank? You need to be praying about starting a church across town. He said, man, why don't we just start a daughter work over there and you could, we'll just launch another campus over there where you're getting all these people. And he, that, that campus ended up running hundreds of people. And a guy that didn't even feel the call to preach, all he knew was that God... God has called me to be a hand. And I know how to grab hold of people. I know how to get people to come to church. 
if you'll give me a van, I think I can fill it up. See, that's somebody that understands how to then give out of their gift. See, God didn't gift us for us to hoard them and let them sit on a shelf for our gifts to just collect dust over there in the corner. God gifted us for us to give out of our gifts. Matter of fact, Rome, Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Then when you operate in your gift and you learn to give out of your gift, the blessed life just has a way of coming to you. And that is every area of our life that we've been gifted with time, that when we give of our time by, by committing to ministry, by by giving of our time to do the things of God. When we give of our talent to these musicians, people that are giving of their talent or when we give of our treasure. It's not just about our time. It's not just about our talent, but it's the kingdom of God operates in a financial world and it takes finances to make this thing happen. But then somebody can step up and say, man, God has gifted me in all three areas and I, I may not be able to do everything, but I can do something. I can do something. Together, amazing ministry takes place in the body of Christ because people learn how to give from their gifts. But the promise of God's word to us is that when we give from our gifts, it comes rolling back into our life, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I have said and heard it said for years, you can't outgive God. And I believe that with all of my heart. Because God always gives back. I wonder today, is somebody a hand? Is somebody in this room an eye? Are you an ear? What have you been gifted by God to be uniquely doing in your purpose? If you'll find it, you'll be happy. Stand with me today, please. Father in heaven, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that on this day, we would feel the presence and the power of God working powerfully in our lives. I ask you by your presence that you would help us as your people to stand in the giftings that you have so bountifully poured into our life and we are handmade by you to fulfill the purpose that you have called us to fulfill in our uniqueness. I declare right now in Jesus' name over every life and over every family the blessing of God. I ask right now in Jesus' name that you would help us in our lives to be those stewards of the gifts that you have given us, that we would steward our time to help others, that we would steward our talent to help others, that we would steward our finances to help others, that we would be willing to give to the church, to the kingdom of God, to be able to pour these things out to see ministry happen in a dynamic way. I thank you right now for your blessing and all that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen to that. Do you receive it today?